And I have friends that have certainly done that where they think it's all a bunch of hogwash. God is not real and Christianity has done more bad than it's done good um, or who just don't care. Uh, But generally, those people seem like they're pretty angry. Hello, Internet. You're listening to Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington. I'm an award-winning novelist. I'm a best-selling humorist. And so far, I have not been visited by any succubi in my sleep, as far as I know, Um, which apparently, I'm learning from the headlines, is the cause of many diseases. So maybe I should be grateful for that. Uh, But at the same time, hey, succubi like what what's wrong with me like like I'm, I'm not good enough come on um anyway all of that is completely unrelated to the conversation i'm about to play for you which is a conversation i had with one of my all-time favorite people april lynn Cowat. um april lynn is one of those people who's um been on what you might call a spiritual journey her whole life she was raised Catholic, uh, eventually became an agnostic, converted to paganism, um, for a while considered herself quote-unquote spiritual, not religious, um, but eventually found her way back to uh, Christianity, uh, specifically Protestant Christianity, um, and not only found her way back there, but has dedicated her life to it. She's a co-founder of what you might call a Christian ministry called Love Thy Nerd, um, which in her words is an organization dedicated to loving and serving our nerdy neighbors. Um, So if you are a nerdy neighbor, this conversation is for you. If you are interested in what might lead someone on a spiritual journey, this conversation is for you as well. April Lynn is a delight. I was really glad to have her on the show. I'll let her introduce herself. I'll flip you over. I'll see you on the other side. April, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I just called you April again. I, you know, I <laughs> you did. Slap That's every okay. Time. April is very particular about people remembering not to call her April. That's, so That's true. It's April Lynn. <laughs> now that's just going to be a running gag on this episode. I'm just going to call you April over and over uh, again. Uh, and... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> April Welcome Lynn. Welcome to my life. <laughs> April Lynn is a freelance editor, a podcaster, founder of Love Thy Nerd, which is a group dedicated to loving and serving their nerdy neighbors. April, I have a question for you. I want to. I want to ask you the question that's on everyone's mind, mm-hmm. which is, how nerdy would I have to be to be loved and served by Love Thy Nerd? Um, you wouldn't have to be nerdy at all. In oh, fact, <laughs> um, that, that sounds an awful lot like mission creep to me. Like, <laughs> well, so if we're at a convention, say a Gen Con or a PAX or a Comic Con. You know, there are plenty of people there who need to be loved, not just attendees, but people who are vendors and staff, uh, people who are running the convention, security guards, janitors, you know, all those people are people that 
are worth attention. So, and some of those people definitely have no idea what's going on, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, we try to remind everyone that we're there with that anyone at the convention is, you know, somebody that's worth talking to and showing some love to. Right on, right on. Um, and I imagine we'll get to how you ended up uh, founding Love My Nerd towards the end of the story. Uh, yes, but, co-founding. Um, uh, there co-founding. are six of us that founded us. Okay, so. all right, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, what we're hopefully going to talk about today is um, how you found your way from neo-paganism to Christianity. Um, I had a last last season. I had a friend on who uh, went the other direction, <laughs> went okay. from Christian to pagan. Um, so I thought it might be might be interesting to explore that uh, trajectory in reverse. Um, so yeah, why don't we uh, start with your uh, early life? I know you um, you've told me you were raised at least nominally Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we why don't we start there? Why don't you tell me about that? Okay. Uh, so yeah, I grew up in Maine. And as you said, my family is Catholic. Uh, and we're, I guess, a little bit more than nominally, nominally. So when I was very young, you know, my mother and I went to mass every Sunday, we went to, you know, Easter service and Christmas service. Um, my dad usually didn't go with us because he worked as a store manager uh, at a grocery store chain. So he was usually either working on Sundays or he was recovering from having worked a lot the week before. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, when my little brother came around, uh, who's also adopted, he was not able to sit still for an hour during mass. And uh, the especially the church we went to did not really look kindly on what crying, fussy children. Uh, Very high church. kind of like mini cathedral, you know, stained Mm. glass windows, slate roof, big vaulted ceilings with beautiful painted murals and noises carried. And uh, so that that ended up just not happening anymore. You know, we went less and less and Catholics don't do nurseries either. So (laughs) uh, at least at the time, I mean, maybe they do now, but at the time there certainly wasn't uh, at least not that I was aware of yeah. anything like that. So yeah, I went to probably about a year and a half of Sunday school, uh, did my first communion. Uh, so that's about first grade. So probably by third grade, we'd gone down to, you know, major holidays only. And then shortly after that, probably, I don't know the exact timeline, but sometime in grade school, we just stopped going. My best friend was Catholic um, in a different church, and she went through the whole thing up to her con- uh, confirmation. So I had some exposure there, and my grandparents and aunts and uncles, you know, they'd all grown up in church. So um, I had kind of a background exposure to the, that value system, but mm. there was not a lot of emphasis on reading the Bible or learning catechism. You know, I kind of knew in the back of my mind, like, I'm supposed to be praying, but I didn't have much of a concept of who or what the God was that I was supposed to be praying to, other than he's a big guy in the sky with flowing robes and a beard who tells you what to do with your life that <laughs> uh, was and knows everything. Like Santa Claus, but mean. Uh, kind of. I mean, <laughs> not necessarily mean, uh, but definitely authoritative. Got it. Got it. So, yeah. So that I guess that's kind of the upbringing um, where, where it all starts. Yeah. And is that, I mean, is that, 
was that something you personally identified with at the time or was that just kind of like, okay, I go here because my parents tell me to and whatever? Yeah. So it was interesting. I really enjoyed, I enjoyed part of going to mass. I really loved the building, the stained glass. Uh, I loved to watch the light coming through the windows. I liked the singing. Uh, I did not enjoy the kneeling or the sitting, the standing, like sitting was probably the part that I liked the best. Uh, the standing was okay. I liked, you know, shaking hands with everyone when we said peace. And, um, but I wouldn't say that I necessarily, and I called myself a Catholic because that's what I was. Uh-huh. Like just by virtue of I'd been baptized, I'd had my first communion. And because the Catholic church said I was Catholic, I was Catholic. um but it wasn't necessarily something that i was very dedicated to sure sure can i just interject here and say i like kneeling (laughs) (laughs) on on kneelers yeah well yeah um this is this has been tricky for me because um i'm I'm not catholic i'm lutheran Mm -hmm. um but um the church we attended, we, we reached three years ago, we moved from Oklahoma to um, uh, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And the church we attended in Oklahoma was very high church and had kneelers and everything. It was mm-hmm. like up, down, up, down the whole service. Mm-hmm. And now that we've moved here, we've been going to more of a mid church place that doesn't have kneelers and nobody kneels. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh man, I wish you could kneel. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know how I would feel about it now. I, I have an aunt and an uncle who now attend a Lutheran church. I don't know if they have kneelers or not, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I get the feeling that it wasn't a very difficult move to go from Catholic to Lutheran. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know how I'd feel about it now. It, I mean, it would be okay. But if I'm kneeling, I prefer to be kind of sit kneeling. And they don't really allow, for, like, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't work. You have to be, like, kneeling straight up. And it's just not comfortable. <laughs> they walk by and kick you if you're not kneeling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think that happened. But I definitely would get some nudges from my mother that I should be, you know, have better posture or something. Um, so eventually you, uh, you know, lost what, whatever Catholic faith you had, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about that a little bit? Was that high school, college? Yeah. Um, so that was high school. And I don't really remember a, like how it happened exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't really a losing faith. It was, I heard the word agnostic at some point and yeah. I could not tell you where or why because mm-hmm. I don't imagine how that would have come up in high school, but it did. And I heard the definition and said, oh, yeah, that that's me. Like, I don't I don't not believe in a God. I don't n- believe in what I don't see that there's any way that we could have any evidence one way or the other in an mm-hmm. unknowable deity that lives outside of our universe. Sure. Um, it just seems like something that is not a thing that in this lifetime we could ever know for sure. Therefore, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I can definitely see the appeal of identifying as agnostic. Um, I, I personally never have, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, I definitely see the the, the appeal of, of just saying, you know, I don't know, and you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're kidding yourself if you think you know, um, or whatever. Well, especially as a teenager who, you know, I was a very intellectual, studious teenager. You know, I was in high school. I was reading Ayn Rand, like I read The Fountainhead <laughs> and Atlas Shrugged in like tenth grade. So, you know, I had lots of big thoughts and faith didn't, it wasn't logical. It, uh, it did not really fit that philosophical, logical, rational ideal that I was kind of growing into. Interesting. 
But at some point, I take it that um, that sort of, you know, rationalism mm-hmm. lost its appeal as well, right? Because, you know, at some, some point you started uh, becoming more mystical or whatever. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah. How, how did you find your way into the pagan scene then? So, in, you know, in the midst of all this hyper intellectualism, I was also reading, uh, at least in early high school, read lots of fantasy novels mm-hmm. uh, and sci-fi, and yeah. And at some point, I decided like I was I was too mature for that stuff. I had to read the classics, and mm-hmm. so um, had kind of stopped that. But in the summer between my, I guess the tail end of senior year, the mm-hmm. internet came onto the scene. Uh, oh, yeah, that, we, thing. We, that thing. That um, thing. And so I'd had access to the internet at school, but we finally got internet access at my house. Mm-hmm. So now I could explore all that it had to offer and not get penalized for going into chat rooms. <laughs> uh, I actually got kicked off the school computers for at least a week, maybe two weeks. I lost my access because they found me in a chat room and that was a no-no. <laughs> um, so I started spending a lot of time in chat rooms in Yahoo mm-hmm. and doing uh, some online role-playing games. And they, they called it role-playing, but it was basically just playing make-believe in chat rooms because uh, there was no real, like there was some rules. Not a lot of dice rolling. There was, no, there was no dice rolling. There was supposedly some sort of mechanic for how combat was supposed to work. But other than that, it was just a bunch of people pretending to be elves and fairies and queens and kings and princes and all that how did that work in a chat room like i, I just i remember chat rooms as just being these places where people would just shout over each other mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> i learned to type very fast because of those chat rooms because if i yeah. couldn't type fast enough and get my response in before somebody else did something uh that you know that screwed things up so uh i attribute my fast typing skills to all that role-playing room. uh and in that process, I met a boy who lived in Canada, and uh, we started, quote unquote, dating. Oh, yeah. Your totally real boyfriend <laughs> in Canada. Uh, my totally real boyfriend <laughs> in Canada, who was actually real. And he was a Wiccan. Uh, interestingly enough, he also came from an evangelical Christian background, hmm. um, but was now a Wiccan. And I'm not entirely sure that he wasn't lying to me about a lot of the things that, cause he was supposedly part of some Wiccan council and <laughs> uh, very secret. And I, I don't know, uh, but I bought into it because I was a naive little sheltered teenager in Maine. <laughs> and, uh, but what he told me about his faith, you know, honoring the seasons and nature and, it made a lot of sense to me because mm. that was something that made sense. I could see, you know, I spent a lot of time out in the woods. That mm-hmm. was kind of my place that I would go when I wasn't sitting in front of a computer or a Nintendo. I would be out sitting in a tree in the woods or sitting by a stream. And so the idea of honoring the changing of the seasons and the equinoxes and the solstices and honoring gods and goddesses that had to do with nature um, made a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And at first, yeah, I don't know how much of the mystical. Yeah, I guess I I kind of accepted like there's some there has to be something outside of my existence on this planet. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but 
it doesn't seem to me like this is all that there is. I think what made me uncomfortable about religion was the idea of a personal God who was dictating and regulating your life. Mm -hmm. But if I thought about it in terms of metaphor instead and honoring seasons and nature and the fantasy elements that really appealed to me from all that fantasy reading I've been doing, Mm -hmm. that felt more natural to me. Mm. And so now I could see of spirituality and faith as something that's a celebration rather than regulation. And also it gave me a lot to read because, man, there are so many books about witchcraft and spells and mythology and, uh, you know, any... And most of them are probably just people making crap up to make money. Some of them, I'm sure, actually believe in what they wrote. Uh, but, you know, I could study, I could learn how to write in Norse runes, and I could learn how to write in angelic languages and learn how to do all these crazy. Uh, and some of it, interestingly enough, uh, kind of had its roots in um, old. Man, I don't remember now. I think there was some sort of a warding, like labyrinth writing that early churches used to use. But now I don't remember. This feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> but it, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> uh, so that was probably, that started the summer before I went off to college mm-hmm. um, and lasted through oh man um probably first month or so of college it didn't Mm. last very long before i realized oh wait i'm in college and there are so many new people here this is not gonna work Hmm. like i i cannot be dating some mystery boy in canada who i've never met when i am going to be surrounded by brand new people because i went to school with the same people my entire you know, K through 12, they split, oh, wow. we, sp- we split off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and then more towns came in, but basically very close community. Um, so I knew a lot of the people that I went to school with from the time I was in kindergarten. So going off to college was a brand new, like, I don't know anybody here, anything could happen. <laughs> and I'm actually really attracted to that guy over there. Um, so <laughs> see you later, Canadian boyfriend. I mean, I, I was less mean about it than that, I thought, but um, but then he ended up dating my best friend instead, really? uh, who then told me that he had never actually really liked me. He told me, he told her that he was only using me to get to her. <laughs> and I'm not convinced at this point that she didn't make that up. One of the two of them was lying clearly. And I don't know which one it was, uh, but I trusted her because she was my best friend. Oh, so he came down to visit her that winter and we met for the first time and really hit it off. And that led to a lot of complication with uh, the three of us. <laughs> and some bad, bad things happened. And he and I ended up together. And that friend and I did not do so well going forward. And it's getting a little too uh, WB for me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Man, my 20s, my, my teens and my 20s. I, I was a disaster. Uh, there was somewhere I was going with this, though, beyond the teenage drama. And it was that that summer, uh, we had a house fire. 
Um, oh, wow. My family and I went on a vacation to Virginia. I think we were going to Williamsburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And we were down around Delaware or so when we get a phone call from my grandmother that our house had burned down. Hmm. Um, and it turns out that it wasn't actually quite that bad. The whole house hadn't burned down. We were all envisioning like ashes, cinders, nothing left. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was bad enough that they had to tear the house down to the framework, but you know that the house itself was still standing. There were a couple rooms that were gutted. Uh, but so that was kind of a formational time in my life. Um, you know, we yeah. stayed the night and then drove all the way back up to Maine, not knowing what we were going to expect. And so for the wow. rest of that summer, um, you know, we stayed in a hotel for six weeks. We found rental house. And most of my summer when I wasn't working was at the house with my parents going in, pulling out, you know, armfuls of things to catalog it because they didn't want to let the insurance company do it. They just wa- sure. they wanted to do it themselves. Wow. And uh, that was kind of traumatic. I mean, it was traumatic yeah, for everyone. Wild. That's wild. Um, but I didn't deal with it very well. And I pretty much shirked my duties and spent most of the time in the van at the bottom of the driveway reading books on paganism and <laughs> praying to whatever gods I kind of maybe believed in, but wasn't sure if I believed in. There's a whole smorgasbord to choose from. Yeah, there was a whole smorgasbord (laughs) of things to choose from and build on. And man, I could do whatever I wanted. I really want to write like a a YA coming of age novel about your 20s now with love triangles and houses burning down. Uh, You know, that's not a bad idea. I've (laughs) I've been thinking, should I write like a memoir about it? But now that you say that, maybe I should... Maybe I should let you have the rights to my life. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a 50-50 cut. The official biography of April Lynn Cowett by Luke. Fictionalized, yeah. <laughs> Put a pin in that. Let's um, talk some more about um, about paganism. Um, so you, it, start, it started with just reading books. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, it moved beyond that, right? Eventually, you... Um, hooked up with uh, <laughs> pagan groups or is it, am I way off here? Um, no, not really. I mean, I looked into it a little bit. I had some Wiccan friends online um, here and there. Uh-huh. And I had, I went to one kind of pagan Wiccan festival with a friend of mine who call, uh, I met in college who uh, said that she was a druid. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So we went... So- I was going to say, I, I'm always intrigued when someone calls themselves a druid, because I believe the druids were actually the priestly class of the Celts, right? Something like that. So you're saying you're actually, you're actually a priest in some religion? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, the thing about all of that neo-pagan stuff is, <laughs> is the neo part, right? You're trying right. to reinvent, reestablish ancient religions that we only know some things about um a lot some uh modern witches claim that their knowledge has been passed on generationally um you know from family members to family members and now they read it in this book um (laughs) or in the case of my canadian boyfriend he claimed that his grandmother had gotten this passed down to her Mm -hmm. um so but there there's a lot of like how much of the you know, I mean, how much of this really is ancient wisdom that's passed down? Um, I don't know. Maybe sometimes it is. Yeah. Who knows? 
Uh, but a lot of times it's this person wrote a book claiming that this is knowledge that their person that taught them had had gotten passed down from some person. And yeah, who knows? Yeah. I, I take yeah. a lot less stock in that than I did at the time. At the time, I bought into it full, you know, across the board. <laughs> Sure. Um, not one, not 100%. There were a couple of books that I would read that I would say, this seems like it's just this person is an arrogant jerk and they are just making <laughs> money off me. But for the most part, this stuff seemed completely legit to me. Hmm. But anyways, went to this festival um, and it was fun. I mean, there was singing, there was dancing, there were meditations and chanting and, you know, being out in the sunshine. And uh, there was a ritual at some point, which is mostly just singing dancing chanting in <laughs> it's it's take church service but make it pagan yeah <laughs> uh and do it in a circle instead of in pews did any of it involve putting someone inside a hollowed out bear and then burning the cabin he was in <laughs> what i guess you, you told me before we started recording that you're not into horror movies maybe i shouldn't you didn't see midsummer last year when that came out i did not know. it was it was pretty good okay, i know you're well, not i'm not if you're not, not a horror movie fan i'm not not into <laughs> horror movies i just haven't gotten around to seeing many of them lately yeah it was um, um i i enjoyed it okay um, well I'll, I'll check it out uh no that didn't happen <laughs> at least not that i know about um but yeah i i mostly did not meet any other i mean i was at a college in upstate new york uh with lots of rich people and (laughs) frat boys and sorority girls uh there there weren't a lot of there wasn't a lot of religion going on in general but there certainly Mm -hmm. wasn't i mean at one point a group of us actually started a I don't even remember. We started some sort of religious club, like mm-hmm. it was an all religions club. I barely have any recollection of this, which shows how much <laughs> impact it had on my life. And I think I'd completely forgotten about it until this moment. But, you know, we had like a couple of Christians and some Jews and we had to find an advisor and they did not really think that my faith was valid. Uh, so hard to start an all religions club when certain religions are going to be excluded. <laughs> yeah. And they probably didn't allow pastafarians in the club either. Probably not, man. Yeah. I I don't even know was that a thing? I don't think that that was a thing in the early 2000s. It, or, I remember I remember first hearing about it when I was in my junior year of college, but I'm younger than you. you are. So, that yeah. would have been um 2007ish or yeah, 2000, I was, 2005ish. I was already graduated by that point. Okay. Well, so anyway. no pastafarians. And and the world the world is a much richer place now <laughs> because we have pastafarians. Um, okay. So one of the questions that I try to ask my guests, and you know, I've I've said this before. I don't necessarily agree with the premise, but I do want to poke at it a little bit. Um, is there's this? Um, so some people have this idea of a, of a conflict between logic and emotions. Um, would you say that you originally embraced uh, paganism because more for logical reasons or more for emotional reasons? Probably emotional reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly having it felt good to have a way to on, honor and celebrate life. Sure. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, there was something really appealing to the idea that magic is possible, that you can have an impact on the world, an impact on the things that happen in your life that seem otherwise out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, 
you know, be, being able to acknowledge like there is more to this life than you can see on the surface. And whether that's fairies or some magic full force or just the the energy of the universe that drives things, whatever it actually was. Um, being able to say there's a thing and I want to acknowledge that and celebrate that and uh, give it a place in my life. Um, yeah, that was really appealing. It was certainly more appealing than excluding faith. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Let's go on then. Um, tell me about when you first, uh, well, I, I guess I don't want to say first encountered Christianity, but, um, what was it that started to turn you from paganism to Christianity? Um, so there was a little bit of, I mean, there was kind of a gap there. I'd say like a seven year gap. I graduated in 2003 and it wasn't until I was, and that would have been when I was 21. And so I'd say for about six or seven years, I spent a lot of time just kind of exploring anything I could. Um, so I went to, I did Zen Buddhism, uh, Zen Buddhist meditation for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, not very long. It's very hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I didn't particularly like my legs falling asleep. I tried, I gave, I gave it a good shot, but I ended up not sticking with it. Um, that I, lotus position, man. I, you know, I never got to the point where I could do full lotus position. Uh, <laughs> my legs do not bend that way. And I got really into yoga and mm-hmm. uh, kirtan, which is uh, singing in singing and chanting in Sanskrit. Interesting. Uh, or I, I think Sanskrit is the written language. Um, but to um, Hindu gods and goddesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's considered a form of yoga. It's a love yoga, I think. Okay. Is okay. What, um, and so that was kind of a big influence on my life for a number of years. Um, and I, in fact, I still even have friends that, um, you know, are still in that world. Um, and then around the time that I was turning 30, um, I had been going to a, a weekly board game night with some friends of mine. Um, nerd. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, all, all this other stuff didn't make you call me a nerd, uh, but that did. Okay. Um, so uh, somebody that I had worked with at my first job in the area, and I was in Massachusetts at this point, mm-hmm. he had invited me to join him and one of his uh, high school friends for board games. And it started out as the three of us every week. And then it ended up growing to about seven people. Um, And this friend of his was in a church and he had books on his bookshelf that I, he like C.S. Lewis books that I'd never heard of. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd never read the space trilogy. I never even knew it existed. And I saw, I started borrowing books from him because uh, I like to read as I may have mentioned. (laughs) And so I started borrowing books from him and getting to know him. And there was no effort on his part to try and evangelize to me or try to convert me, um, anything like that. Um, But, you know, we chatted about the books a little bit. And at a certain point, I sunk into a depression, as I do from time to time. Um. And around that same time, he told us that he was going to have to change the Night of Board Game group because of his Bible study group that he ran. Hmm. 
that I didn't know existed up until that point. And I thought, hey, Bible study sounds like a group of spiritual people. And even if I don't agree with their specific beliefs, being around a group of people who believe something uh, might be good for me. Uh-huh. And at that point, I think my view of Christianity um, must have been changing through knowing mm. him and knowing uh, another friend of mine who was a Anglican minister. Mm. Because before that, I didn't have a super great view of Christians. I mm-hmm. obviously didn't think they were all terrible people, but I definitely <laughs> thought that on the whole, Christians were kind of hypocritical and um, prejudiced and closed-minded. And uh, I knew about the Crusades and all those bad things. And so Christianity and church, you know, my my concept of God. I mean, obviously, my parents were Catholics and they were fine. I love them. So it wasn't that Christians were bad, but they seemed to be kind of behind the times mm-hmm. and have an outdated worldview that wasn't relevant. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I clearly didn't have quite that opinion because I was willing to go to a Bible study of my own volition without anybody inviting me. <laughs> So I asked if he would mind if I went with them to check it out, and he said that would be fine. And so I started going to this Bible study once a week with my friend. Hmm. And yeah, I guess that would really be my first... I'd read some of the Bible on my own in the past, but it was difficult to slog through. And I'd (laughs) had to read some in college for some of my core um, classes as part of the Western traditions um, curriculum. Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was never from a religious perspective Mm -hmm. you know it was as literature and history yeah so going to going to this bible study as someone who would have been i mean would you have thought of yourself as a a a wiccan at that point or just kind of vaguely spiritual or (laughs) yeah i was definitely in the spiritual but not religious category by that point you know i kind of had this uh choose your own adventure faith (laughs) <laughs> that was just cobbled together. Yeah. Now, I still had all of my pagan paraphernalia in a box site and occasionally took it out like, you know, ritual stuff and candles and tarot cards and crystals and books. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't something that was, and I might've even had some of it displayed, mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't something like that. I was, I was actively practicing sure. a faith. Yeah. So what being a religious or sorry being a spiritual not religious person at this Bible study what was that like Um it was fine I mean I don't remember anybody I don't remember ever feeling unwanted or unwelcome mm-hmm. uh, I feel like everyone was instantly welcoming and loving and willing to have very real discussions in front of me hmm. uh which was fascinating to me you know, having people that I barely knew sharing about their troubles in their marriage with a room full of 10 people was kind of mind blowing for me. Mm. Um, but I was certainly I, and everyone was kind of telling their quote unquote testimony like you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So at, and I said, OK, well, I want to do this at some point. And so I gave them kind basically the story I'm giving you now. Yeah. Uh, and it ended with, and this is, and now I'm here and I have no intention of becoming a Christian. I'm good. <laughs> and of course we know that that's not how the story ended. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. And to their credit, nobody pushed me on it. Nobody gave me 
any evil eye or <laughs> told me, well, you're not welcome here anymore. Um, they, Shun the heathen. Uh, yeah, I, I was, I was accepted. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, this is actually the second episode in a row, um, which I didn't, I didn't plan this at all. But um, this is the second episode in a row where I've had someone say, so I went to a Christian Bible study and it blew my mind how open everyone was, um, <laughs> which is weird. I don't know. Um, previous episode I had on Justin Camp, um, who uh, my uh, uh, PR rep actually hooked me up with. Um, I had mm-hmm. no interaction with him prior to that. Um, but he, um, he uh, you know, was raised Christian and thought of himself as a Christian. But he, um, his thing was he quit a very high paying um, job as a a venture capitalist to start a a Christian ministry. Okay. Um, And I I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. Um, Like, I don't know what it means. (laughs) I'm just Mm -hmm. just thinking out loud here. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, interesting to me to hear twice in a row that like the turning point or a turning point was going to just a casual Bible study where people Mm -hmm. were unusually open. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, from, from, from there, what happens? Do do you see that as that Bible study as a turning point then or? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, and so they wouldn't have called, they called it a Bible study to other people, but Uh within the church circle, it was called a small group. Um, they did more than study the Bible. They had potluck dinner every week and they, you know, they were good friends. They shared their lives with each other outside of just studying the Bible. Sure. Uh, And they all went to the same church, obviously. So, yeah, that kind of led me to finally led me to a moment where I realized these are people that I'm growing to care about and they have a very different view of the world than I do. Mm-hmm. And and we were studying the book of Hebrews, which uh, is not really the traditional place that you start a fledging fledgling Christian out. Sure, yeah. Uh, but for me, it was great because it's so rich and full of things to wrestle with. Yeah. And I don't remember a lot of what that was like, Mm -hmm. but I do just remember feeling like if I want to continue to grow in friendship with these people, I need to figure out what to do with these things that we've been studying. Hmm. It can't just be a thing I do and then I forget about it. I guess. And so I did as I do when I have a problem to solve, I asked for books to read. So my friend uh, checked some books out of the church's library for me and loaned them to me. Mm -hmm. And I started reading, trying to figure out what to do about this person of Jesus to start with. Mm -hmm. Um, So he loaned me a book called The Case for Christ, which you may have heard of. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't read the full version. I actually just tonight finished reading through the kids version <laughs> with oh, my kids. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so we've been going through that. Um, okay. Yeah. So I read that and uh, actually kind of hated it. <laughs> um, not because of the conclusions that he came to. Uh-huh. I felt like I wanted more. Like, hmm. I felt like the arguments that Lee Strobel presented weren't had a lot of holes in them. Interesting. And yeah, I felt that I felt the same way about the kids' book, but I was the whole time I was thinking, well, maybe the adult book's a little better. Apparently not. <laughs> well, it, it might have been for somebody who wasn't as hypercritical as me. Sure. But I think sure. because his goal was to convince somebody um, that didn't believe 
then yeah i and and part of it was too was that there's so much more in depth you could go than he had room to put in a book right so if i had been willing to do the work that he did and actually go to those primary resources Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. i would have felt a little bit better about it but i just walked away from it feeling like this isn't enough to convince me one way or the other Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh these seem like good like good starting points for arguments, but there are holes in them that, and and obviously you can't prove thing like it, faith. There's there's a reason it's called faith. There's a certain point right, where you just right. need to trust, be willing to accept, and have faith in it rather than you know trying to get proof one hundred percent. Well, uh, Kierkegaard would agree with you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why I like what little Kierkegaard I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a slog. <laughs> um, but anyways, Kierkegaard aside, um, yeah, it, it. I don't remember what we were talking about. We're talking about Lee's uh, Strobel. Talking about the case for Christ. Yeah. Case and for Christ. She said, yeah. So you found that unconvincing. <laughs> I found it unconvincing. <laughs> were there books you found convincing then? I mean, I assume um, there were. No, I mean... I think that that was the point where I just realized, okay, at a certain point, I'm just going to have to make a decision of how I want to move forward. Hmm. Because if this book that's supposedly full of evidence um, that Jesus was a real person, that everything that he said uh, was recorded accurately, and I can trust the Bible's account of what happened to be truthful, Mm -hmm. if I... I I have to decide, do I believe that or not? Am I willing Mm -hmm. to believe it? And I ended up deciding, well, I I have two ways I can go. I can go down the road where I don't, where I choose to not believe it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have friends that have certainly done that where they think it's all a bunch of hogwash. God is not real. And Christianity has done more bad than it's done good. um, Or who just don't care. Uh, But generally, those people seem like they're pretty angry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, about faith and religion and on the other hand my friends who have been i've been studying the bible with every week see are very loving people in a way that Mm. i've never seen people be in community loving to one another in that way Mm. um, who support one another and help one another with tough things uh i i hadn't experienced that and so i i took a look at those two options and I said, okay, well, I'm going to continue to go in this direction and act as though these things are true and see where that leads me. Talking to you, um, I feel like there's almost this battle going on inside you. And I I don't mean like the two wolves thing or whatever, but um, (laughs) um, there seems to be this constant tension in you between the, this analytical analytical side of your brain and this, um, more emotional side of your brain. And like I said, I, I don't necessarily in general agree with that dichotomy, but I mm-hmm. get that very strongly from you that, you know, you want to be uh, this logical person who reads everything and thinks through everything. But at the same time, a lot of these um, religious paths you've gone down have seemed very um, guided by emotion. And I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily. Like it's not right. like, Oh, you're just being all emotional. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, cause emotions are valuable too. Um, I'm trying to figure out what the question is there. Um, do you see, do you see your eventual embrace of Christianity as a reconciliation of the logic and the emotions, or do you see it as, I, I don't know. How do you see it? Um, that's a good question. 
And I don't know that I've ever thought about it that way before. So mm-hmm. just off the top of my head, I'd say maybe. Yeah. Um, it's certainly a willingness to let those two parts of me settle on, like agree on something, especially mm-hmm. the more comfortable I've gotten with it. I think at the time, definitely not. Hmm. I think I I battled with it for a long time and I still do. Mm-hmm. Um I I still battle with even just being able to recite the core tenets of my faith in a way that sounds very like, you know, the the traditional thing that they ask you when you get baptized, do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is your savior, died for your sins, all those things? Um I mean, yes. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for me to say those things with certainty because it feels so I don't know, cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, there's still always that part of me that says, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can tell you that I believe in all the wonderful ways that my life has changed since I went down this Christian path. Hmm. Um, Do you see that as being true in a way that it wasn't true for paganism? Yes. In, in Can you ter- talk about that? Uh, do I do I see the the wonderful things in a way that wasn't true with paganism? Yeah, I mean, because you know, earlier you, you, I think you only touched on this with like a sentence or two, but you know, you talked about paganism as a a way to kind of control the things around you with with mm-hmm. spells and whatnot. Um, I, I guess the question is, did you see that as true at the time? I mean, clearly you saw this true at the time. Do you do you not see that as true any longer? Is Christianity? Uh, better in some some way mm-hmm. does, that, does that make sense i don't know yeah. Uh, yeah so my faith before christianity was very individual uh-huh. uh it wasn't something that had a long history of like there wasn't a long history of study there wasn't a community that i could come to that had some core of similar values and beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, even though Christianity is a huge umbrella of, you know, there's still a lot of smorgasbord of how people deal with certain <laughs> aspects of faith and different right. denominations and people who don't have a denomination. And, you know, it's not like it's a homogenous whole where everyone believes the exact same thing about God and Jesus <laughs> and the spirit and yeah. uh, sin and all those things. Uh, but there, there are common tenets and mm. there are common, I mean, the Bible, the Bible is a thing that all those people have in common all, mm. and that we can discuss and analyze and work through together in community. Mm-hmm. And that aspect of community is, is big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my faith as a pagan, as a Kirtani, um, as a spiritual but not religious person, there was no idea of community around that. It was very individualistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't really govern how I dealt with anybody other than myself. Hmm. Um, it didn't really offer me an ethical framework other than treat. I mean, there was still that idea of treat others as you would like to be treated and treat the earth with respect and dignity, mm-hmm. uh, but beyond and do no harm. Yeah. And beyond that, there wasn't really a core to it. Hmm. Um, so it helped me. It certainly helped me through some difficult times to have that, but it didn't feel all encompassing and like a foundation the way the Christianity does. Interesting. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Hypothetically, um, if you had found your way (laughs) to some sort of pagan community, a coven or what have you, Mm -hmm. um, 
do you see yourself like 10, 20 years down the road as having, having remained pagan or. I mean that that's so if my life hadn't gone the way it did, <laughs> would it have ended up differently now? I mean, I know in some ways that's a stupid question. I, um, yeah. It's, it's hard to say. Um, probably not. Uh, I mean, yeah, I have no idea because things did work out the way that they did. And certainly mm -hmm. early on in my Christian faith, I had a lot of concern of what if this is just another step? Mm -hmm. What if mm -hmm. this is going to be another phase for me that in a few years I'll get tired of and there'll be something else that's yeah. the thing? Yeah. Um, and will it, that mean that the you know my declaration that I made when I got baptized, baptized meant nothing? Right. Um, am yeah. I just doomed to spend my entire life jumping from thing to thing <laughs> to thing, never fully be committed to it? Um, yeah. And yeah, that was a concern for me because I really wanted to, when I said I'm devoting my life to this, that I wanted that to mean something. Sure. Um, yeah. And so far, so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's certainly I've changed how I express that faith and what I think on core issues, but, you know, I haven't haven't had any desire to leave the Christian faith or the Christian church. Hmm. Um, that doesn't really answer the question that you asked me though. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the, the answer to that is I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, having talked to, having spent a year in change now talking to people about, um, you know, changing their minds. Mm -hmm. um, I've been really struck at how bigger role something like community almost always plays in it mm -hmm. you know like people will change their minds insofar as the community that they're in will allow them to mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um and with with a lot of people i've talked to it's it's like well i probably wouldn't have changed my mind about this except i physically moved you know mm -hmm. from one community to another um and i i mean i i guess i'm interested in that because it, it kind of on the one hand, it flies in the face of, of this enlightenment idea we have mm -hmm. of like mm -hmm. the human being a rational creature who, you know, and free thought being a thing. And it's like, no, <laughs> you know, people for the for the most part, we just we absorb what the communities around us give us. And, you know, to the extent that our thinking changes, it changes. It tends to change within the bounds that mm -hmm. the community we're in allows. Um and, you know, again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, in, in some ways, it can be good, you know, depending on uh, the issue or the community. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm interested in that, I guess. Um, because, uh, you know, it sounds like the story you're telling is one of finding a community. Um, and it's, you know, it's, and that's great. Like, I'm not saying that's bad that you found a community. Right. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm like, like, if she had found, like, you know, a community of Ayn Rand lovers, you oh, know, or if she had found a community of, of, uh, yogis or whatever, I tried you to. know, I actually did. I wrote a letter to the Ayn Rand society once. Did you? Uh, I don't I mean, remember. I know, I know what they're still said. technically a thing. I don't know if they have chapters in a lot of places, but, uh, uh supposedly they accepted one of those, uh, small business loans. Oh, Which that's right. is hilarious. I, I didn't actually read those head, those articles, but I saw the headlines. Yeah. Like, well, that's pretty funny. Bunch of moochers. <laughs> um, no, that's that's an interesting question, and I think I had no problem with drifting away from communities that weren't a good fit, that were hmm. no longer fulfilling their need or their hmm. their, their usefulness. I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't stay closely 
uh, enmeshed in the yoga community eventually mm-hmm. that, um, you know, faded for me, which mm-hmm. I've always regretted a little bit because I really did enjoy um, the practice of doing yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've tried to do it again. And it's hard because there is such a strong to, to what I would consider a good yoga class does have a strong element of spirituality to it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it kind of conflicts a little bit with my faith now. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, le- I I didn't intentionally leave that community. I just kind of drifted away from it. Yeah. And I think that that w- would have happened even had I found a coven or, you know, any other pagan community. I think that eventually that would not have fit my needs. Um, and actually I did. I want somebody that I dated in my 20s uh, was part of not a coven, but he had a community around him of other pagans. Um, and, you know, I went to kind of a workshop weekend with him and it was fun. I had a good time, mm-hmm. uh, but I never really clicked with them in a way that would have that same foundational uh, depth to it, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So let's put a point on this then. Let's, let's put a, a period at the end of this. Um, what your conversion to Christianity, mm-hmm. um, apparently, and according to you, it seems to be the one that has stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what specifically would you attribute that to? Um, I would say that, I mean, friendship certainly had a lot to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. people who gave me the freedom to ask difficult questions, sure. um, to be myself and to explore at my own pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people who really truly believed in me, loved me, supported me through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and finding a sense of purpose through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, the story continues, obviously, and ends with, it ends up with me becoming excited about nerd missions and <laughs> quitting my job and moving to uh, California. And, I think that that sense of purpose has a big part in it too. Hmm. Um, I think that that's something that I never found through any of the other uh, spiritualities that I experimented with. Um, They never really helped me understand what my place in the world was. Hmm. And that's huge. I mean, that's what everyone's looking for, right? Everyone's looking for why am I here on this earth? What am I supposed to do with my time here? Yeah. Uh, Why does any of this matter? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Once you find the thing that makes you want to, throw out your life and, <laughs> mm-hmm. or, or whatever, you know, just mm-hmm. go, go where it leads you, you know, put, put away your nets and follow me or whatever. That's, um, <laughs> I guess that's how you know, how you know, know it's real. Um, that's a good word. Yeah. Um, all right, let me ask you this. Um, aside from your new beliefs themselves, what would you say you learned from the experience of changing your mind? So, I I think I learned that it was okay to change my mind mm. um, on something that I thought that I was pretty sure I knew mm-hmm. and, you know, that Christianity was a scourge on the earth. <laughs> uh, I, I There was probably not a very long time that I believed that, but there was definitely mm-hmm. a period of time where I was mm, Christians, mm, Christianity, <laughs> not, not so keen on that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that I learned that it was okay to have done a complete reversal on that. Um, that 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, I wish I had a, you know, and I even saw this question on your, <laughs> on your list of questions. And I thought, wow, that's going to be a good question. Um, and I didn't have an answer for it then. And I still don't really have an answer for it now. Um, I mean, other than just all the, all the things that come along with being a Christian and yeah. finding my place in the world and that journey, um, that it is a journey that mm-hmm. I think that is one thing that I learned that it's not, I'm never going to get to a point where I have the answer. Mm-hmm. And that that's okay. Um, and that's something that I really want. I want that truth. I want to know objectively what is real and what mm-hmm. is true. And I'm still not really okay with not knowing. Uh, <laughs> but I've accepted that it's going to be a process of finding out and that I won't ever really have a complete answer. Hmm. Okay for me to change my mind on some things as I go along the road. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I that there was anything wrong with what I believed before or necessarily just that was not the thing, you know, sure. I the thing for a time. It def I wouldn't take back anything in the journey up until this point um, mm-hmm. or up until the point where I started going to churches. And that first time that I called myself a Christian again, um, I think all of that has given me perspective that a lot of people don't have on subcultures. I think a lot of Christians are afraid of those subcultures Hmm. Um, you know, I was even reading like, uh, the satanic Bible. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people in, in who grew up Christian or people who grew up, you know, or were pagan and then became Christian would be terrified of even mentioning that. Yeah. That ev- those evil things, you keep them over there. Those, those things <laughs> taint me and destroy me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really grateful that I had the experience I did to explore all those different viewpoints and all those different cultures and perspectives so that I can be more comfortable interacting with people who don't see the world the same way I do. Uh-huh. Um, and more empathetic towards people. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, I have um, three final questions. Um, I try to ask all my guests, um, try to poke at these issues of ontology, epistemology. How do we know truth? How do we know ourselves? Um, I imagine you'll have good answers. Uh, We'll try. (laughs) I'll I'll see what I can do. It's been a long time since I studied philosophy. You know what? If not, that's okay. We like you anyway. Um, April, what, what would you say identity is? What is identity? Does everyone have an identity? How do you know your identity? What do you think? So I think I read this somewhere and it seemed to make, it made a lot of sense to me. This idea that identity is made up of three parts. Now I'm, now I'm making it up because I don't remember exactly what I read, but so identity (laughs) is made up of, there's the part of what you, how you see yourself, Uh what you see your identity is. Mm -hmm. um, And then what other people see which mm-hmm. is entirely different than what you see of yourself uh, a lot <laughs> yeah. of the time. And then third, there's this core, like actual, you know, what is the true identity of April Lynn um, mm-hmm. that nobody can see that's kind of, you know, what does God see? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that identity is kind of a mixture of all those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how I see myself what differs very, very much from how you see me. Because mm-hmm. you don't see what's going on inside my head. You have only the part of my history that I've shared with you mm-hmm. um, or that you've figured out from stalking me on Facebook. And, <laughs> Which um, I do daily, for I, the record. I'm sure. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so 
yeah, I mean, identity is such a big, complicated thing that, yeah, man, I wish I had a better answer for you than that. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm sure that wiser people than me would have a much more succinct uh, description, but. Yeah, I think I've heard that three-part thing from other guests before. I also maybe I even heard from. it from one of your other guests. It's possible. <laughs> I, I I will be honest. I haven't listened to all of your podcasts, but I have listened to a few episodes. So it's possible that one of them said it, and I just clung to it. We we can't be friends anymore if you haven't listened to all of them. I'll, I'm just gonna. <laughs> That's it's okay. You'll just <laughs> just record a new intro that says my former friend April Lynn <laughs> is my guest on this episode. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I think there there is something to that, that the way we see ourselves is never going to line up perfectly with the way other people see us um, or or the way the way God sees us. I, I think there is something to that, something to think about. Um, what is human nature? Are we all the same deep down? Are we all different deep down? Are we all blank slates? What do you think? It's another one that I didn't have a good answer for. I mean, it's multiple choice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Some combination of all of the above. I mean, thinking, so I don't know if you have a person who grows up completely in isolation from other people. Mm -hmm. Are they going to have the same human name? I mean, Christianity would say that we all are affected by sin, whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, in inherent sin nature um, that goes back to the fall, or it's this presence of sin in the world that affects us. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly, as a Christian, would say that that is that human nature without that is, you know, God made us to be perfect um, in his likeness, but that because sin exists in the world, we are all broken mm-hmm. and human nature uh, is tainted by that. Um, but are we all the same? No. I mean, the way that that impacts our life is different for each person. Sure. Yeah. And finally, what is truth? How do you know truth? How do you know when you found truth? What do you think? I think that we will never know the fullness of truth as human beings on this planet. I think that truth exists, but I think it's a much larger reality than we can grasp. Um, I think that all we can do is do our best to wrestle with discovering truth. Uh, make adjustments as we discover that thing that we thought was true was not completely true. Hmm. And I am very hopeful that one day in the future, uh, that after this life is over, that I will find out what truth actually was. (laughs) Uh, I'm very curious about that, but uh, I don't think that I will ever stumble on capital T, the truth uh, while I'm alive. All right. Well, April Lynn, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It was fun, even though I feel like I fumbled at least 50% of those questions. <laughs> what Don't was my worry, grade? Uh, C plus. Oh, <laughs> I should have prepared more. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got a good editor. So uh, okay. <laughs> we'll make you sound smart. Um, before we go... Have you got anything you want to plug? I know you've got a podcast or two of your own, so yeah. take it away. Uh, so yeah, I just started a podcast with a few friends of mine out in Brooklyn. It is called the One Shot Test Kitchen. It is a role-playing game podcast where we, each episode, uh, we do a, actually, we there are two-part episodes. The first one, we play a one-shot session of a smaller, lesser-known RPG, so 
not Dungeons and Dragons, although there has been talk about us trying to do some of that too, but mostly indie RPGs. And then the second part episode is us analyzing our game experience uh, and how well uh, we think that the rules did what they intended to do and the mechanics and all of that. And we are sarcastic and I think we're hilarious and <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, the second episode is being is in editing and should be going up very soon. Um, and I believe it's the address is anchor.fm slash one hyphen shot hyphen test hyphen kitchen. All right. There you go. You're in uh you're in California, right? And your friends are in Brooklyn, so that's like a three hour time difference. Mm-hmm. Is it is it tough to find times to record together? Uh no, they're night owls, so okay. it actually works out really well. We can record in the evening for me and they don't mind being up late. Um one of them is a professional voice actress. Oh, cool. Um which is cool because I'm sure that her schedule is somewhat flexible flexible because of that. Uh, <laughs> so if you hear the person who's doing all the funny voices, uh that's her. <laughs> Um, Man, I've and- always wanted to break into voice acting. I was gonna, I was gonna record the audiobook for my upcoming book. Uh, and yeah, gonna- I remember that you you didn't get to do that because of COVID. Yeah, that was gonna be my that was supposed to be my big break into voice acting. But uh, no. Well, it's not too late. <laughs> There's still plenty of time to get into voice acting. Yeah, it's true. You know, the the guy who um the guy who is in charge of the the audiobooks, uh, you know, the audiobooks that um um the Thomas Nelson is the publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really nice about it. He was like, you know, here's hoping we get you in for the next one. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, witty banter. This has been changed my mind with Luke T. Harrington. You can find me online at LukeTHarrington.com or find me on Twitter at Luke T. Harrington. I'll see you around. don't have a lot to say uh in conclusion this time around um this is kind of the vanity portion of the show where i just you know say whatever's on my mind whatever my conversations with people have led me to think lately um and a lot of times i you know get up on the soapbox and preach here but um this week i'm not really interested in doing that um i just want to reiterate to really underline something that we talked about in that conversation, which is that my consistent experience on this show is that ultimately what changes people's minds is not logical arguments. It's not emotional appeals. It's not what's true. (laughs) It's community. It's someone coming and being their friend. Um, and you know, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, you know, this is not a quote unquote Christian show. People ask me if it's a Christian show. I say, it's not, not a Christian show, you know, like I'm not going to try to hide my faith, but I'm also not here to push it on you specifically. Um, it is an epistemological show. It is a a show about how do we know what we know? Why do we think the things that we think? And so much of 
what we think is determined by whether or not we have a friend who's willing to be with us on this journey of what we believe and what we don't believe. Um, and so if you would change the world, I would just encourage you to be someone's friend. Um, and I know that that comes easier for some than for others, but we're in a world uh, facing a crisis of loneliness right now. Um, and I think a lot of the reason so many of us are so inclined to believe insane and horrible things is because it fills that hole. It might not fill it well, but the anger and the hatred we absorb from that is, it's not the opposite of friendship. It is just a poor substitute for it. There's a catchphrase on some of the woke corners of the internet that has gone pretty fast from a mantra to a self-parody, which is, it's not my job to educate you. <laughs> and in some ways, I suppose that's true. Um, but if you don't educate the people around you, someone else will. So just keep that in mind. If you want to change the world, go be someone's friend. That's it for this week. If you are enjoying the show, please do me a favor, hop on Apple Podcasts, give me a rating, give me a review. Uh, we got our first two-star rating this last week, which, you know, that means I've arrived, right? Somebody who doesn't like the show found it. Um, before that, it was all five stars, but whatever, you know, two-star reviewer, I'm glad you were honest and you're probably not listening because... Why would you listen to the show if you don't like it? But thanks. Um, <laughs> if you uh, want to support me financially, um, there's a Ko-Fi I have set up, which is ko-fi.com slash change my mind, where you can throw any amount of money at me up to, you know, starting at $3 and above because that's how much it costs to buy someone a cup of coffee. And we all like coffee, right? Um, if you don't want to do that, you can pre-order my book, which will be out in less than a month. Um, we're 24 days out from the launch of this book. Um, it's called Murder Bears, Moonshine and Mayhem, Strange Stories from the Bible to Leave You Amused, Bemused, and Hopefully Informed. Um, you can check it out at murderbearsbook.com. There is a free sample of the book you can read and some links to pre-order it if you want. It would be great if you would give it a little love. Um, otherwise just go to my website, luke There's links to all the stuff I do there. Um, because I do a lot and all of it is at least above average. Let's say, I don't know. You can decide for yourself, I guess. Um, I want to thank April Lynn for being on the show. She's great. Please check out her podcast. Uh, it's called one shot test kitchen. It sounds great. Um, I want to thank Jonathan Clausen for editing the show. He keeps me sane week after week. Thank you, Jonathan. I want to thank Raven Creek Social Club for hosting the show. 
They're great too. They do a podcast on the Bible called Faith and Other Oddities. They do a podcast on movies called The Commentarians. Check them out at ravencreeksc.com. And finally, I want to thank you for listening to Change My Mind. And don't be afraid to change your mind. Thank you.